Welcome to the AI Hustle Podcast, the podcast where we break down the latest in AI news, tools, and interview experts helping you hustle and do more using AI. If you've been following the podcast for a while, you'll know that over the last six months, I've been working on a stealth AI startup. Of the hundreds of projects I've covered, this is the one that I believe has the greatest potential. So today I'm excited to announce AI Box. AI Box is a no-code AI app building platform paired with the App Store for AI that lets you monetize your AI tools. The platform lets you build apps by linking together AI models like ChatGPT, MidJourney, and Eleven Labs eventually will integrate with software like Gmail, Trello, and Salesforce so you can use AI to automate every function in your organization. To get notified when we launch and be one of the first to build on the platform, you can join the waitlist at AIbox.ai. The link is in the show notes. We are currently raising a seed round of funding. If you're an investor that is focused on disruptive tech, I'd love to tell you more about the platform. You can reach out to me at jaden at AIbox.ai. I'll leave that email in the show notes. Meta recently has made some very big claims that have a lot of people really intrigued. And essentially what they said is they came out with a report talking about how their algorithms work um, and how they make recommendations for users on their platform. They had some, you know, these kind of system cards that showed up on Instagram and on Facebook explaining how that worked. And within it, they said that they're building some AI models that are orders of magnitude larger than the current largest LLMs. So ChatGPT, GPT-4, um, which we know have, you know, billions of parameters, they're building things much, much bigger. And in fact, they said orders of magnitude bigger. So a lot of people are asking the question, is this necessary and what does this mean? So today on the podcast, we're going to be diving into um, a deep dive looking at exactly what these AI models are looking like, what they're being used for, and how necessary this is. And if this is a trend, we're going to continue to see into the future. Meta is definitely one of the most prolific companies when it comes to AI research. Um, but we don't often hear how they are using a lot of their AI models. And they don't always peel back the layers of exactly how these models work, how they, you know, combine data from multiple places. Um, we do know that they have a lot of really advanced tech that are combining essentially multi-modularities like visual, auditory um, kind of inputs to train these AI models and to create and understand content better. So they are, you know, they are cut on the cutting edge of a lot of this stuff. They have been releasing a lot of open source things, but on their platform, we don't necessarily know how all of their AI models work. And so I think they're trying to shed a little bit of transparency um, on the subject. But perhaps even more interesting than just the fact they're shedding you know, transparency on their AI and algorithmic usage, in the recent passage where they were trying to you know, do this report, there was, a, there was a really interesting piece that said, in order to deeply understand the model people's um, and model people's preferences, our recommendation models can have tens of trillions of parameters, orders of magnitude larger than even the biggest language models used today. A lot of people have been um, really impressed, some people startled by the fact that their current recommendation algorithms have tens of trillions of parameters, right? Some people say, you know, GPT-4 has a trillion parameters, they haven't actually released the number on that. Um, but tens of trillions of parameters is definitely orders of magnitude larger. So a reporter recently at TechCrunch asked Meta for a little bit more information on, you know, these, the theoretical tens of trillions of parameters in the models. Um, and this is what they said. They said, we believe our recommendation models have the potential to reach tens of trillions of parameters. Um, and so I think this is interesting, their clarification where it said, like, we believe they have the potential to reach, they can reach. Um, 
it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have that actually in place. So I think that that is, I don't know, I think that's something that to take with a grain of salt and to um, focus on. But I think the broader question is, you know, like, why does this matter? And I think that uh, Meta has spent years trying to convince critics that it takes, um, you know, like issues like data privacy and misinformation very seriously, um, even when sometimes people criticize it as being really slow to act in those departments. Um, but right now, it appears that Meta is really focusing on addressing these concerns um, as soon as they possibly can, all these concerns around AI. Um, and this was something that's interesting that was said by Meta's president of global affairs, his name's Nick Clegg. He said, this is a part of a wider ethos of openness, transparency, and accountability. With rapid advances taking place with powerful technologies like generative AI, it's understandable that people are both excited by the possibilities and concerned about the risks. We believe that the best way to respond to those concerns is with openness. So obviously this is kind of Meta's new approach. They're really focusing on open source and being open um, in these, you know, talking about the way that they are developing AI, the way that they're using AI. And I think that this is something that is really, um, really important in the industry and in the space right now. And I think you know, what's really kind of driving this news uh, right now and why people are talking about Meta um, in this light at the moment is because they just recently released two sets of documents. The first one is really this detailed set of explainers showing everyday users how its algorithms um, are recommending things to them. And the second is an overview of how it uses artificial intelligence to power its content recommendations. So beyond um, just the algorithm, but specifically the content recommendations. Um, and essentially, the company kind of lays out which signals and predictive models it uses to help recommend personalized content to users. And examples of, you know, these different signals could include basic account information. Um, so they take into account things like location-related information, device information, if you have an iPhone or an Android and what version you have. Um, your preferred language obviously can play a big factor, as well as data about um, your friends, pages that they follow, and groups that they are in. So it's kind of interesting because it goes beyond just things that you've told, you know, Meta that you're interested in or they've seen you engage with, but they look at who your connections are, where they're engaging, and they know that those are areas that will probably be interested uh, or potentially interesting to you. So they also do that, um, which kind of, it's, I mean, this is a total side tangent, but it's kind of interesting. You know, there's a quote that you are like the sum of your, you know, five best friends or whatever, or the five people you spend your most time with. Um, it's kind of interesting because in this case, you literally are that to the algorithm. You know, the, the people that you spend the most time with or interact with the most online, um, you will inevitably get served content related to them. So that's very interesting. So I think we're kind of looking at this um, and what's going on here. If we're trying to read between the lines or something like that. Um, I believe that essentially in an effort to kind of double down on transparency, Meta has said that it's going to provide a lot better tools for researchers, including over a thousand AI models, libraries, and data sets from the last decade. So Facebook or Meta is essentially saying, you know, over the last 10 years, we've been using all of these different tools, all these different libraries, all these different models, um, and they're letting researchers use that. And the reason for that, according to Clegg, is so they can benefit from our computing power and pursue research openly and safely. So Meta has, like, they've been criticized in the past for not giving researchers enough data and access to data. Um, but I think they're trying to change that. Clegg said, it is our ambition to continue to be transparent as we make more AI models openly available in the future. So if we kind of look at this at a 10,000 foot view, Meta has essentially promoted an open source approach to AI 
um, as a means to widen access to the technology. And back in February, when it released its LAMA large language model, um, it did that under an open source license. And essentially, they allowed anyone to view and manipulate the code of this really, really powerful LLM. Um, and right now, the company is betting that this kind of open source approach is going to help it compete against, right? They have their big rivals, Google and Microsoft, who are having who have really robust AI teams. Um, and something I've heard Zuckerberg specifically say in an interview is that he believes going with this open open um, approach to AI not only is going to help them win, but he believes it's the way that they're able to attract a lot of top talent to Meta um, because some of these AI researchers would not be able to uh, have such an impact if they were working at companies where the tools are a lot more closed source and were not shared as much. So they are getting a lot of really talented AI researchers over to, you know, um, Meta because of this. So I think it, it probably is a fairly good approach, but that doesn't mean they're not without, you know, criticism because a lot of people have been criticizing this approach um, and kind of what role this can play with having security risks and things like that when you're releasing these AI models. You know, they're saying like, well, anyone could use them and they could use them for malicious things. So I think kind of looking over at the bigger picture of this all, um, you have to, you also have to take into account that 2020 was a brutal sell-off of Meta stock. Their stock price, uh, you know, cratered pretty bad. Um, but since 2023, they've seen a very strong rally. And I think a big part of this um, was because Wall Street's pretty bullish on their investment into AI. Of course, Zuckerberg made a lot of other moves like cutting out mineral managers and becoming a lot more of a lean and profitable company, which of course is going to, you know, improve your standing on Wall Street. But I do believe that, you know, as we're looking at companies that are being successful right now, these are ones that are embracing AI and Meta 100% is one of those players. They've had a lot of really impactful AI technologies that they have come out with. And so I think they really are a very big player in this field. So if we're looking at, you know, what regulators are thinking globally, a lot of them are really skeptical about big tech and if they can handle AI responsibly, if, you know, the, what regulations need to be put in place. And I think Facebook and Meta is keeping that in mind. They're trying to, you know, maintain the the fact that they're very open source with this and kind of set themselves up as an anti-Google, anti-even open AI at this point with the, the openness that they release around a lot of their um, tooling. So I think if we're kind of looking at the bottom line for now, it would appear that Meta seems to be dodging a lot of this regulatory scrutiny around artificial intelligence. Um, but as much larger rivals or larger rivals like OpenAI, Microsoft, and Google come into the spotlight, um, I think that this is something that the, the whole area is going to just heat up. And of course, Meta, I believe, is going to continue to preach transparency and kind of rely on that as a way. So... It's going to be really interesting to see what moves Meta makes, you know, when we're looking at the fact that they're talking about building AI models that are orders of magnitude bigger than GPT-4. I think this is going to be a very interesting space to watch. You know, if they came out with a language model like ChatGPT, I think that would be very, very interesting for the industry, especially when they have such massive data sets, right? So something that I think a lot of people don't think about or give uh, Meta enough credit for is from the very beginning, Meta was one of these companies that shut down access to, um, you know, their platform. Right now we're seeing Twitter and Reddit and other companies scrambling because OpenAI essentially used an API to scrape their entire uh, websites, their entire platforms and took all of their content and integrated it into GPT-4 or other AI models. And the problem is, 
you know, Twitter shut everything down and they're trying to lock down their data. Everyone's trying to lock down their data right now. But for, you know, for the in the case of OpenAI, it's too late, right? That's a massive competitor. They already have the data and they got it for free. Um, so what I think people don't give Meta enough credit for is from the very early days, they never allowed. I think, you know, they had, they, they did allow some API access for some tools at the beginning. I, I believe they learned. I think the problem was with the whole um, Cambridge Analytica scandal where essentially they were able to scrape a ton of data and they were using it for a bunch of political things. Um, if Facebook and Meta really realized the value of their data, they locked it down. They didn't have API access. And essentially they, you know, they even told like Google, you can't crawl our, like our platform. This is our platform. And so what I think a lot of people don't realize is the fact that Meta has an absolutely insane amount of data. Like every image that's been uploaded to the platform has metadata attached to it. Um, every single person on the platform and everyone's always known they're a big data company, right? But no one, I think is really thinking about how they implement that into AI models, the power that they have. I believe they have more relevant data than, you know, even open AI and chat GPT in some regards that could make powerful AI models that could do some pretty incredible things because they have beyond just, um, you know, text that was uploaded to the internet and scraped but they have all the metadata attached to the content. They have the metadata attached to videos and images um, that, you know, the geographic location that people like to go to. And of course, everyone says this is creepy, but like we've always known this about Facebook and Meta that they have all this data and it's always been kind of creepy, but they have it. Their platform allows them to use it and they could definitely train some absolutely insane models that are orders of magnitude bigger, right? They have a global population on this thing. And they could build an AI model that is orders of magnitude bigger than something ChatGPT has. And I would be very curious to see uh, what the quality looks like on that and what sort of implications and changes that makes. So it's definitely something we'll continue to follow. If you are looking for an innovative and creative community of people using ChatGPT, you need to join our ChatGPT creators community. I'll drop a link in the description to this podcast. We'd love to see you there where we share tips and tricks of what is working in ChatGPT. It's a lot easier than a podcast as you can see screenshots, you can share and comment on things that are currently working. So if this sounds interesting to you, check out the link in the comment. We'd love to have you in the community. Thanks for tuning in to the AI Hustle podcast. If you could do us a massive favor, we would really, really appreciate it if you could leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps people find the podcast. It helps people know this is a good place to go. And we would really, really appreciate it as it helps us continue to bring on incredible guests and share incredible content for you to listen to.